0: This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Russia launched more than 70 missiles on Ukraine in its second mass airstrike in a matter of days, damaging energy infrastructure in Kiev, the capital, and elsewhere, killing two. Kherson, in southern Ukraine, was left without power, and Kharkiv, in the east, saw its electricity, heating and water supplies cut. Meanwhile, General Valery Zaluzhny, the head of Ukraine's armed forces, told The Economist that the Russians are preparing for a major Russian offensive in the next few months, including, quote, another go at Kyiv. Goldman Sachs will reportedly lay off several thousand employees and slash bonuses as it retreats from its planned consumer business. Semaphore, a news site, reported that the firm could shed 8% of its staff, a more substantial cut than rival banks. Its consumer-facing unit, Marcus, is non-profitable, and Goldman's share price has fallen by nearly a tenth this year. Binance, the world's largest crypto exchange, said it had processed $6 billion in net withdrawals between Monday and Wednesday as FTX's collapse continued to unnerve crypto investors. On Friday, Mazar's Group, an accounting firm, said it would stop producing, quote, proof of reserve reports, a much skimpier version of a standard audit for Binance. Binance said it was searching for another firm to do so, to provide, quote, transparency and reassure customers. The European Commission threatened Twitter with sanctions if, quote, red lines were crossed. The warning came after the social media platform banned some journalists who had written about its new owner, Elon Musk. Vera Zhurova, the commissioner for, quote, values and transparency, called the suspensions, quote, worrying, and hinted that they could violate the EU's Digital Services Act or draft law targeting big tech that could come into force next year. Peru's Congress rejected legislation by the new president to bring forward elections by more than two years to December 2023, a proposal intended to quell protests over the ouster of her predecessor, Pedro Castillo. Eighteen people have died in the clashes. Two cabinet ministers have resigned. About 5,000 tourists have been stranded in Cusco, near Machu Picchu, after protesters stormed the airport. The Biden administration said it would buy 3 million barrels of oil in February to replenish America's strategic reserves. After overseeing the largest drawdown from the stockpile since the mid-1980s, the move is intended to spur production by domestic firms, who alone are eligible to supply the stuff. In March, the administration sold 180 million barrels from the stockpile. India tested a long-range nuclear-capable missile amid rising tensions with China. The Agni-5 has a range of 5,400 kilometres, encompassing all of the Chinese mainland, and will, quote, strengthen national security to a greater extent, according to an Indian official. Last week, Indian and Chinese soldiers brawled along a disputed border in the eastern Himalayas. Their delegations to the UN, meanwhile, exchanged sharp words in New York. And word of the week, friendshoring, a kind of reverse offshoring in which supply chains are redirected to stable, ideally allied countries.
1: And now. Here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Germany shores up its gas supply. On Saturday, Olaf Scholz, Germany's Chancellor, and Robert Habeck, his economy minister, will inaugurate the country's first import terminal for liquid natural gas, LNG, in Wilhelmshaven on the North Sea coast. On Thursday, the Hoeg Esperanza, a specialized vehicle that can regasify liquid gas, arrived in the town. The deliveries come as Germany wrestles with a cut in gas imports from Russia following its invasion of Ukraine. The new equipment will feed at least 5 billion cubic meters of natural gas per year into Germany's gas grid. That is around 6% of the country's demand and will replace approximately 11% of imports from Russia, according to Uniper, a utility. After Russia, Norway and the Netherlands are the next biggest gas suppliers to Germany. LNG deliveries will flow from Qatar in 2026 under a recently inked deal. Uniper expects the first LNG tanker to dock at the Hoeg Esperanza in early January. Germany will inaugurate two further LNG terminals before the end of the year. They can't come soon enough. Ireland's previous prime minister returns. Leo Varadkar, the leader of Fine Gael, one of Ireland's two dominant political parties, will become Taoiseach, Prime Minister, for a second time on Saturday. Under a rotating Taoiseach deal thrashed out in 2020, Michael Martin, the leader of Fianna Fáil, with which Fine Gael rules in coalition, held the job for the first half of the current Parliament. Now it is Mr. Varadkar's turn again. He previously served from 2017 to 20. He is already off to a rocky start, even before he officially takes office. Last month, following surveys suggesting that many of Ireland's young renters are considering emigrating in order to find affordable housing, Mr. Varadkar harumphed that they couldn't expect to do better abroad. His dismissive comments provoked derision from emigrants who reported finding cheaper rents in Amsterdam, Berlin, and Paris. A recent poll finds waning support for both ruling parties. Sinn Féin, an insurgent outfit, will probably win the most seats at Ireland's next election. Why Understanding Biodiversity Is Hard Stuff This week, the Mexican delegation at the UN Biodiversity Summit in Montreal began offering a bottle of tequila for every point on which negotiators found agreement in one of the texts. The objective of COP15, not to be confused with COP27, the climate conference in November, is to hash out a global agreement to reverse the worst damage that humans have inflicted on nature. That is hard for both scientific and political reasons. The climate system, while complex, is mostly governed by physics and can be simulated using models. Ecosystem modeling, however, is in its infancy. Ecosystems are composed of vast networks of organisms interacting in complicated ways. More funding for scientific research worldwide would help. So would action to address the drivers of biodiversity loss, like pollution and land use. Both are under discussion in Montreal, though neither debate will go down smoothly. An Immigrant Babysitter's Disquiet in Nanny Nanny, a film that arrived on Amazon Prime on Friday, is a vivid psychological thriller about Aisha, Anna Jopp, a Senegalese woman who works for a white family in New York. The child she looks after is sweet, but the mother doesn't pay on time and the father is a bit of a creep. Aisha stands up to her privileged employers, yet her discomfort grows like a storm, triggering nerve-jangling hallucinations. The American director, Nikiatsu Jusu, drew on her own experiences to evoke her character's alienation. Ms. Jusu's parents hail from Sierra Leone. Aisha sends money to her son in Senegal, and though she finds glimpses of community in New York, the boy's absence haunts her room in her employer's sleek apartment. The first horror film to take the top jury prize for an American drama at the Sundance Film Festival Nanny touches on class, race, labor, and immigration, building slow-burn menace from Aisha's growing dread. Weekend Profile Ekrem Imamolu, the mayor of Istanbul, facing prosecution As the former head of his family's construction company, Ekrem Imamolu says he often saw projects get bogged down by politics. He says he entered politics to untangle the red tape. That line got him elected mayor of a suburb of Istanbul in 2014 as a member of Turkey's main opposition outfit, the Republican People's Party, CHP. Five years later, Mr. Imamolu was elected mayor of the whole city. But only after Justice and Development, (AK), the party of Recep Tayyip Erdogan, Turkey's president, contested the initial vote. Mr. Imamolu won the rerun election by a landslide. His victory was a heavy blow for Mr. Erdogan, himself a former mayor of Istanbul, who is fond of saying that, Whoever wins Istanbul wins Turkey. As mayor, Mr. Imamolu has focused on quality of life issues in Europe's most populous city, expanding the metro to ease traffic and improving storm drainage to reduce flash flooding. The president knows that the opposition's successful management of Istanbul poses risks to his 20 year tenure in office given that presidential elections are expected by June 2023. The CHP has yet to name a candidate to take on Mr. Erdogan, and Mr. Imamolu has stayed mum on his ambitions for higher office. But polls suggest that he is one of the opposition politicians best placed to unseat Mr. Erdogan at the ballot box. Naturally charismatic, Mr. Imamolu is a rare unifying figure in Turkey's polarized political landscape. He is religious and progressive. He is a Turk from the ultra nationalist Black Sea region, but also appeals to minority voters like Kurds and Alevis. His appeal makes him a highly dangerous rival to Mr. Erdogan. On December 14th, a court in Istanbul convicted Mr. Imamolu of, quote, insulting the officials who had ordered the rerun of the Istanbul mayoral election, whom he had called, quote, fools. He was sentenced to two years and seven months in prison and banned from holding political office. An appeal is underway, but if it fails, the ruling could bar Mr. Imamolu from challenging Mr. Erdogan and AK at any level. Supporters of Mr. Imamolu think the case is politically motivated, but most analysts reckon that if his conviction is overturned, it could rally voters behind him. After all, Mr. Erdogan was catapulted to power after serving four months in prison for reading a religious poem. A ruling in Mr. Imamolu's favor by the appeals court could just see him follow suit. The winners of this week's quiz. Thank you to everyone who took part in this week's quiz. The winners chosen at random were Sebastian Kova, Caracas, Venezuela, Martha Baker, Uberlingen, Germany, Martin Lubke, Petawawa, Canada. They all gave the correct answers of the Count of Monte Cristo, Larry Bird, Bert, Oscar Hammerstein, and Fortune Cookies. The theme is Sesame Street characters Count von Count, Big Bird, Bert, Oscar the Grouch, and Cookie Monster. And visit the Espresso app for our new Weekend Crossword, designed for experienced cruciverbalists and newcomers alike. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Steve Biko. It is better to die for an idea that will live than live for an idea that will die.